Hello, and welcome to the Family Five Podcast with Ivy Law Group, where we will tackle the tough family law issues and the time it takes you to drink your coffee. I'm Jessica Hamilton. I'm the Marketing Manager for Ivy Law Group, and I'm joined by my boss, Shane Neagle, who is the Director of Ivy Law Group and the Family Lawyer Extraordinaire. In this podcast, we will take a five-in-five approach, five questions in five minutes. Our aim is to keep the podcast light, easy to understand, and to give you some valuable information to take away with you. And we're back, everybody. Hello, hello. Shane, how are you today? Um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. Every day is a great day, Jessica. So today we're talking about binding financial agreements, sometimes referred to as a prenup, especially in all of the American television shows. For everyone out there, what exactly is a binding financial agreement? In a nutshell, and uh, the acronym being ABFA, it's a private contract between two people, including same-sex partners, that formalises how a couple's property, assets, superannuation and liabilities uh, will be divided in the event of a breakdown of a marriage or a de facto relationship. They can be made before, which are always problematic because they do often get overturned. They can be made during a relationship. You're 10 years in and say, this is what I want to happen if we break up in 10 years. And it can be made after. So after the relationship ends, and that's how we uh, negotiate the of our relationship and assets. Once parties enter into a BFA, Jessica, uh, they give up their rights under the Family Law Act for the family court to determine any or all property and financial matters should their relationship end or there should be any other disputes arising within reason. So BFAs are not for everyone. In what circumstances would someone need one and in what circumstances don't they need one? Someone who just owns a boat, a car, is renting and 20-year relationship has superannuation of you wouldn't spend the money that you need to to have a binding financial agreement. When it mostly comes into play is that, for example, there are people coming into relationships who trust fund beneficiaries where they can sometimes get up to millions and millions of dollars, and those people like to protect their position. So is it true that BFAs are only for the rich? Look, it's kind of along those lines in the way that if you came in with a million dollars today and, and you know you're going to have children uh, with the other person and the relationship goes on to 15, 20 years, a BFA and where there's children isn't worth the piece of paper it's written on, really. Young people come to me and they're saying, oh, I have $300,000 equity in a property and the other person has nothing. I say to them, look, the expense of entering into it when you're going to have children, could you possibly rethink that? Because I just don't think it's worth it at the moment. And what about if you're at work and your boss comes in with a scratchy and... You know, you, you win a million dollars off your scratchy, then <laughs> then what happens, Shane? Well, you probably resign because most people these days will go, oh, Shane, you bought the scratchy for me like you, I do for you every other day and say, oh, Shane, you know, here's something for you and your family. <laughs> Those kind of windfalls that come during a relationship, it goes back to the same principles we're always talking about. It's a good thing I only won $10 then. <laughs> All right, so you have mentioned that Sometimes BFAs are not worth the paper that they're written on and that's because they can be challenged and or overturned. Do you want to just talk about how they can be challenged and overturned? I need to put a cave in on when I said they you know, they can be torn up easily. It's mainly just when people are going to have children in the future. The way that a court can set them aside... Um, and that's why they need to be carefully drafted and properly executed. The main ways is where there was fraud or entered into under duress. A party failed to disclose assets or information relevant to the agreement. We have one case where the other person had $99 million they didn't disclose. Off we go. 
Does that make sense? So you can't use deception in these cases. It was uh, entered into to defeat or defraud a creditor or with reckless disregard to the interest of a creditor. So someone's owed 100 grand and they had this BFA, they give the assets over to one person to avoid the creditor. Uh, They'll get set aside. This was the key one we are talking about earlier on. There's been significant changes to either or both of the party's circumstances, uh, which makes it impractical to carry out the agreement. And that could be the person's ended up in complete poverty. Uh, Since the making of the agreement, there's been a change in circumstances relating to a child, and which would, this is important, result in hardship for the child or their carer if the agreement is not set aside. I can't tell you how important that is, where often the main breadwinner could be bringing a million dollars a year and uh, they've got this prenuptial, for example, and the, and the other person's got no, uh, hasn't worked for 20 years. Okay, so a discussion came up today actually about the cost of a BFA. Can you talk about that? I don't mind talking about that issue. Uh, our firm's always been about access to justice. A lot of law firms aren't doing binding financial agreements anymore because uh, they get sued. Because of these issues that arose in Thorne and Kennedy, a week before the marriage, she entered an agreement. She was told it was the worst agreement of its kind. She signed it and a high court said, yeah, look, I'm sorry, we're setting it aside. What happens is lawyers then get sued. They have to rely on their insurance. When we're doing uh, those agreements, you'd normally do at least 40 hours work. Our firm's insisting that if we do a prenuptial, uh, that the client agrees that we get a um, barrister involved to have a second set of eyes over the agreement. They need to be um, prepared by a lawyer and signed off by a lawyer because each party needs to have an independent lawyer acting. And so it's not unusual to be between $7,500 to about $14,000 once you include a barrister, get one done through our firm. All right. Thanks for that, Shane. So time for a joke, I guess. No worries, Jessica. How many lawyer jokes are there? Only three. The rest are true stories. Oh, dear. (laughs) Thanks, Shane. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot, Jessica. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to save us to your favourites wherever you listen to your podcast so that you don't miss an episode. It's important to note that the contents of this podcast are intended as a general guide to the subject matter and if you are looking for specific advice about your individual circumstances, then we would recommend getting in touch with one of our friendly family lawyers. 